0: Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Chad.
1: And I'm Charlotte.
0: We're so glad you're listening, but we want to hear from y'all too. Mm. Please take a moment to visit us at heavenlybanquet.com and subscribe to our Substack where you will join a community of other listeners just like you. And uh, Charlotte and I will be posting extra content there, some additional audio too, and we would really love to hear from y'all, so join us. At the discussion there. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
1: What are we doing today?
0: Today we're going to talk about faith and doubt. Mm. Um, and why would we want to talk about that?
1: Because you put it on the list.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, a, kind of a pet thing for me. And maybe that's because of my own upbringing in the church. But here's the thing. Some folks, some Christians might say that faith and doubt are incompatible. Mm -hmm. That if you have doubt, you don't have faith. Mm -hmm. If you have faith, you don't have doubt. Mm -hmm. I reject that premise, but I think it's worthy of discussion. Okay. So let's just start off with our buddy, who I lament every time he comes up in the lectionary, and that is... Doubting Thomas.
1: Poor guy. I know. Wouldn't you hate to be known by like this one story and yeah. this moment? And it's not. Even, this is our like only Thomas story. I mean, he gets mentioned otherwise, but this is his big on the stage. And then we tagged him with this descriptor that isn't fair at all. Why not? He's asking for the same thing that all everybody else already got.
0: H- had already gotten. <laughs> That's right
1: everyone else he just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. to be there when jesus is making all of these other post-resurrection appearances yeah uh just showing up at the upper room had you know met others at the tomb and and so you know he saw mary magdalene saw him the rest of the disciples saw him so, yeah, why not me? Why don't I get to see? Right. And then he, and so he asks for that, and he gets it. And he gets it.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, when the other ones, when the risen Christ appears to the other ones first, they don't believe until Jesus shows them right. his hands and so on and so forth. Sure. So, although they didn't explicitly ask for evidence like Thomas does, they didn't believe until they got that evidence. So like you say, there's nothing really different between Thomas and the others, but he's gotten tagged with this doubting Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's in the, the, that account of Thomas that Jesus says, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and believe. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm with you. I think it's, it's unfair to kind of tag him that way, but I think that account has kind of nurtured this idea that doubt is a problem doubt is unacceptable that it's contrary to faith
1: yeah when i think that blessing at the end of that story is so important too because i think it's a recognition that it's going to be so much harder for the rest of us Mm -hmm. um to say you you have gotten to see, to see other people aren't. The
0: majority and, of Christians. And
1: are going to have to come to belief without seeing. Like right. that's a big deal.
0: Right. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> so <clears throat> let's just start off with the word that is translated in the scriptures as it's either translated as belief or faith.
1: Okay.
0: It's it's usually the, the same verb Pistuo, the Greek word pastuo. Um, And I'll just come right out and say it's not always translated well. And that's not the fault of the Greek language. It's the fault of the English language. Right. So that same word is sometimes tr- translated belief or faith. Um, for instance, John 14, 1, uh, at the beginning of what's called the uh, farewell discourse, mm-hmm. Jesus says... To the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's an NRSV translation. A better translation would probably be, you have faith in God, have faith also in me. But it's translated either way depending. Um, because I think the, the import there is not, and, and this is kind of part of what I think the problem is, is not simply believe some facts about me but have faith in me and so belief and faith are really two different things
1: I don't know that I'm following
0: okay so what's the distinction between belief and faith and usually I would say mere belief and faith right okay so in western culture we um we pretty much operate by what's called the principle of bivalence what does that mean? Uh, the principle of bivalence says that for any truth claim, okay. any proposition, there's only two options. It's either true or it's false. Okay. So we might hear when Jesus says, believe in me, that, he, that it's um, asking us to believe certain facts about him. Okay. For instance, son of God, he was resurrected, things like that. But if we translate that, have faith in me, there's more to it than that. Um, it's, it's not just believing certain facts about Jesus are true or false. Obviously true if you believe in him. But it's more trust in me. Be committed to me. Okay. Uh, follow me. Okay. And especially when, it, when it's translated believe in me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's more... Uh, Not just believing certain facts about Jesus, but having faith in or trusting in or commitment. So there's a distinction between mere belief, this idea that it's true or false, and faith, which involves uh, trust and commitment. Does that make sense? Yes. Does that help? So a really good example to kind of draw this out is in the the book of James. At one point in chapter 2, verse 19, James says, You believe in God? That's great. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Right. Right. So the, the belief of the demons, that belief is missing something important. Right. James seems to be. And I would, I would say is that they're not trusting God. They're not committed to God's ways. They're not. So that's one verse that kind of draws out, at least implicitly, that distinction between uh, belief and faith. Right. I think the idea is that they believe God exists, that they believe God is God, but they're not committed; they're not uh, obeying. Right. That kind of that kind of thing. What do you think? Yeah, I agree.
1: (laughs) What? Okay, hold on. I'll do. I'll do more serious. Well,
0: why? Okay, so why is mere belief a problem?
1: Because uh, mere belief is like a a knowledge right or I mean it's connected to uh, maybe uh, an intellectual grasp of uh, who Jesus or who the divine is but it's not transformative
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: so it it hasn't moved toward making a commitment as you say or trusting in or actually changing Your life in some way.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, the demons, they know that God exists and thanks. I mean, that's the end of that. They
0: have a mere belief, essentially.
1: Right. So, um, you know, I think we can look at what people, particularly outside of the church... Are quick to recognize as our hypocrites and uh, and folks who call themselves Christian, but certainly don't look anything or act anything um, like a christian or or as or the, uh, discipleship as Jesus has defined it right right um, and so saying there's a lie there there's something that's not right and i it's this disconnect between I think belief and actual faith
0: yeah. And there does seem to be this prevalent idea that, oh, I believe certain things are true about Jesus, therefore I'm good to go. Right. And it kind of cuts off discipleship and growth, and if that's the way we approach the faith, as mere belief. Oh, I believe all the right things, I'm good to go, I don't have to try and grow.
1: Right. Anything like that. Right. Yeah. So, and I think in those particular communities that really uh, promote that kind of understanding of our religion. You know, when you look at their about page for a church or what we believe, it's this huge, long list of things, some of which seem extraordinarily trivial to me. I mean, aren't even what I would consider essential to the faith at all, you know. Um, But it's important that we're able to kind of tick off this list rather than, as you say, You know, uh, grow with, join with, actually allow yourself to be transformed by this encounter.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But to only recognize it. As James says, yeah, the demons can do that. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: Yeah, they probably are orthodox in their belief, I would think.
1: The demons? Yeah. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, they believe, you know, Jesus, son of God, risen from the dead.
1: Yeah, they probably recite the Nicene (laughs) Creed just fine. (laughs) Well, I mean, is it that, you know, the the devil knows scripture better than anybody else, yeah. right? How interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Let's not think too much on demons. We'll yeah. <laughs> let's let that
0: go. <laughs> let's talk about doubt for a moment. And the one thing I want to say is doubts happen. Sure. You can't control if you have a doubt. Well, let me back up. Let's talk about, let's differentiate between two kinds of doubt.
1: Well, I, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. I don't think, I think it's a mistake from the get-go to approach faith and doubt as though they're opposites. Right. In some way.
0: What would you say the opposite of faith is?
1: Apathy, maybe.
0: okay.
1: I mean, something that's just not at all invested. Doubt to me, um, uh, doubt is still maintaining a relationship in some ways. It's wrestling with feeling unsteady mm-hmm. or uncomfortable with feeling maybe a, a disconnect from something that you believe uh-huh. is still there, right? Um, and doubt is is a wrestling, is a questioning that's still in some way is saying there's something to wrestle and question with. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know... Apathy, I would say, is you know, a really just a total disconnect. Uh, and so that's opposite to me, of faith. To, not be, yeah, to not be engaged whatsoever. I like that. Doubt is, uh, I mean, the doubt is in some way faith-seeking understanding.
0: Yeah. I like that. Very nice. I hadn't, I hadn't put those two together. I would say the opposite of belief is certainty. Mm. The opposite of mere belief is certainty. Um, But yeah, I like that a lot. That's very helpful. You're welcome. I want to... uh, (laughs) I want to distinguish between two kinds of doubt. Sure. Intellectual doubt, Uh which would be doubt about truth claims, and existential doubt. Okay. Okay. So an example of intellectual doubt concerning the faith was when I first started engaging the faith on a serious level i really doubted the whole idea of jesus being the son of god was just completely confusing to me
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know is god married is god having sex i mean how what does that obviously i had s- some learning to do <clears throat> to even understand what that concept was getting at but at that time i was a, you know a a person of of faith, I, I I was able to confess its truth without understanding it. I mean, I, I doubted it in in an intellectual sense, and over time, I came to understand it better. Right. So I would consider that kind of an intellectual doubt. Sure. And yeah. something that can is compatible with faith. Existential doubt, I would, is, I think existential doubt. Is more the experience of I have these con- concepts of God, God's goodness, God's love, God's sovereignty, and my life is crap. Yeah. And how do these work together? And I think existential doubt is 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 a necessary part of Christian faith because we have these ideas about God and we live in this world that is just crazy, right? Um, and I think that's also compatible with faith. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Um, And I think getting more to kind of a pastoral approach to this, I think it's really unhelpful when someone is experiencing either of those doubts to treat them or to speak to them in a way that says, oh, there's something wrong with the fact you're having doubts. Right. You know? Right. Especially existential doubts. I mean, intellectual doubts, it may just be understanding. It may be, who knows?
1: It may be, I mean, it may be a doctrine or a part of the faith that does need re-examining. Like? Oh,
0: no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I just knew that was gonna.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, there's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to say I'm having trouble holding these different things in tension. Because we you believe
0: know? some wild stuff.
1: Right. Uh, and some of it does seem contradictory. Mm-hmm. And some of it is difficult to grasp, period. Right. Um, But back to the existential doubt, uh, yeah, it's a really wrong thing um, to come at those people and diminish them. They're already obviously not in a good place, Mm -hmm. so why are you going to go bang them up some more? I don't know who you think that's helping.
0: If only you had faith.
1: Mm -hmm. But also, you know, we can affirm easily the long historical tradition of having those experiences Mm -hmm. and having that be part of faith and a faithful reaction to the world. That's, you know, a a huge portion of the book of Psalms.
0: Right.
1: It's the, you know, Lamentations. God, where are you? It's Job. It's um, Ecclesiastes, Mm -hmm. you know. So this idea of, you know, you... You've said all these great promises. You've promised us all good things. Mm-hmm. Where, where is it, <laughs> yeah. buddy? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and that holding God accountable, those traditions. You know, remember your mercy. Um, save me. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that again is an actual interaction with the divine. That the underpinning of that is saying. I truly believe and have faith in your promises. Right. And the fact that they're not true, or not coming, not being actualized, actualized yeah. in, in my world, means that I'm continuing <laughs> this conversation with you because I believe I have faith that you will and you do intend to do these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. So where are we going with this? Here's two things. One is... A virtue I want to talk about, and the second is a passage I just want to undo.
1: Oh, all right.
0: Yeah, yeah. The first one, and this is kind of a sticking point with me, I think a virtue Christians need to um, nurture, I would call it doxastic humility. Okay. Doxa comes from the Greek word for belief. So it's humility about our beliefs. We believe some wonderful, wild things resurrection, incarnation. These are wonderful, beautiful things. But to treat others that don't believe those as if something is wrong with them or they're not seeing the obvious is ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's good for us to nurture some humility in ourselves about what we believe to recognize, number one, they are beliefs. These aren't obvious truths no. to everyone. No, no. Um, and scripture indicates that if you come to faith, that too is a gift. Right. And so there's no need for having pride because I believe, you know, uh, certain uh, things about Christ and God. So I just think it's 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 a, it's an underrepresented virtue among Christians is is humility about our beliefs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So I just want to throw that out there as a possible taking off place. The other thing, I want to touch on one specific passage. Okay. Romans 10, verse 9. Okay. Here's the passage. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
1: Oh, yeah, here we are. Yeah. Altar call and things are good. Yeah. We're done.
0: So here's the <laughs> What I see is the problem with that passage. People use that as a passage of exclusion. Mm -hmm. The idea being, it definitely says, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And what they do is they turn that around and say, but if you don't confess and you don't believe, you will not be saved. Right. The problem with that is one does not logically follow from the other. No. Right. Um, So they treat that as a statement of exclusion. If you don't believe, if you don't confess, you're excluded. That's not what the passage says. Right. What the passage says is if you confess and believe, you will be saved. In other words, instead of it being a statement of exclusion, it's a statement of guarantee.
1: Right. Right.
0: But it leaves open a, a world of possibilities. Sure. I'll give you an example. Please. Let's say I am an owner of a concert venue. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know me. <laughs> and I'm having a concert mm-hmm. and I say, if you have a ticket and present it in the door, present it at the door, you will get in. Yeah. That's a statement of guarantee.
1: hmm
0: But that still leaves open a whole host of possibilities. Right. For yeah. instance, I could come out, Midway of the concert and say, all right, all y'all who don't have tickets, come on in. It's my venue. I can do whatever I want. Right. Right. So that just kind of shows that that statement of guarantee can't be twisted into a statement of exclusion. One doesn't follow from the other. Does that help?
1: Oh, I wasn't having a problem. Yes, no. (laughs) Let
0: me rephrase my question. (laughs) Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it makes sense. Thank you. (laughs) I think it's a very helpful example. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other part of that... Well, it's just a verse, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, That's so troublesome, its use of it, is this... as I was starting to point to that, you know, this is like an altar call verse, too. And it is sort of like, you know, if you come and you make this public profession... You're good to go. Yeah. And it doesn't like, matter how you, you live. Get your forehead stamped and you're on your way. Yeah. Right? But that second clause of it, of um, believing, believe in your heart, mm-hmm. that's more than just saying. Yes. Um, and that's maybe that place where, you know, this is more of a... F- that faith and intellectual ascent thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I mean, the heart is a transformative. It's your whole being in your body. Yeah. So it's not just saying, you know, if you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord. Okay, great. But also and believe in your heart. You've internalized mm-hmm. that in some way. The
0: resurrection and all it implies. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You're actually living as though you understand that to be true. Yeah. And it has changed you. Um, that's a really different experience than, you know. I mean, you can, literally, you know, some of these uh, churches and organizations. You can you can actually go on their website and fill out a form saying I've, right, I've accepted Jesus into my life, and that's good. I'm not making fun like of that. But it has to be more than that. It's something else. Yeah,
0: if we reduce it to an intellectual belief, it's not capturing. Right. Yeah. The other thing about that, it says if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, I mean, that entails a lot more than just saying, as Paul says, no one can confess Jesus is Lord without the Spirit, meaning
1: Mm.
0: it's not just a matter of saying the words, but it's living under Christ's Lordship. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and this is also, I mean, that's a huge political statement too, and a yeah. dangerous statement to make. Right. Right? So, saying Jesus is Lord is also saying, you know, yes. Uh,
0: all other allegiances are below that.
1: Thank you. That's so, I couldn't figure out how to say that without having a swear word in it. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow.
0: Your commitment is to Christ above. Family, country, politics, yeah, the, everything. Rome,
1: the empire, empire the, yeah. everything, um, all your little local leaders, anything at all. Um, so you know, there's not a risk for us, for Christians in America, in the United States, of coming out and saying there's a there's a risk in saying the rest of that statement I mean of saying and because Jesus is Lord, that means that all this other is is nothing
0: yeah.
1: um we don't we don't get enough of that, but um you know the this is a um a confession
0: mm-hmm.
1: a witness uh that's guaranteed persecution period i mean you know so by an, an arbitrarily violent empire.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. Any last thoughts?
1: I don't have anything smart to say right now.
0: That's okay. okay. I don't either. But I do think it's been a very helpful distinction for me to distinguish between mere belief. I believe all kinds of things, Charlotte. I believe Billy Holiday is the greatest jazz singer of all time. Oh. But I'm not committed to Billy Holiday as I try to be to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Those are two different things. <laughs> Gratefully, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Billie Holiday is not my religion, although she's still the greatest jazz singer of all time. Right. Yeah. I don't know if Jesus could sing jazz, but I'm committed to Jesus in a
1: very different way. I'm, glad, I'm <laughs> glad we gave you this space to say that. To clarify that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I have my moments.
1: Yeah. Right. I'm glad I was here for a while. Yeah. That's good cool. Oh,